This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you enjoy blasphemous humor, it turns out God has a podcast. It's called The God Pod, and it's co-hosted by God and Jesus. Or, I guess, hosted, if I have my Christian theology right. God's basically tired of everyone taking cheap shots at him, and he wants to set the record straight. Along the way, he speaks with other characters from his favorite book, as well as comedians, scientists, and other people who will probably spend eternity in hell. That includes me. I was on a previous episode debating God. I won. And I also enjoyed another episode where he damns the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. You'll have to listen to learn why that made him angry. You can't go wrong with adding the God Pod to your rotation. It's incredibly funny. There's never a dull show. Just search for the God Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And hello, this is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to support the show. Yep. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm doing really well. How are you doing this very evening? I'm fine. It's, <laughs> it, you know what's weird? It's been more than a week yeah. since we recorded last time. And oh, I feel like the, last week, yeah. yeah, and the number of things I want to talk about with you mm. is more than usual. Um, I should have told you this before. Uh, we yeah. started recording. My friend's dropping off her dog in like an hour. So, oh, so okay. So we. <laughs> so if will there's move. a random break, <laughs> we'll move. We'll no, move it's a fast. much smaller dog than the last time I brought a second dog to recording. So excellent. Um, let me start with this one that uh, made me mad for so many reasons. You may have heard that the uh, Democrats in Congress are currently trying to pass something called the Respect for Marriage Act. And basically, I mean, the House is I didn't know it was called Respect for Marriage That's what it's called, yeah. Mm. Here's what it would do. Basically, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and one of the things Clarence Thomas said... Roma? uh, (laughs) One of the things Clarence Thomas said is, like, Obergefell's going to go next, the contraception uh, is going to go soon, and Republicans are like, that's totally not going to happen, and Clarence Thomas is like, yeah, it is. I'm going to spell it out for you people. I sort of fucking God Clarence Thomas would vote against loving just to own the libs. I he, swear to That's the one precedent God. old He's law he did not mention. I right. would love so, for somebody to ask him personally yeah. about that one. So the Democrats are trying to pass a bill that all it would do is it would say, let's say Obergefell gets overturned mm-hmm. and marriage equality gets left up to the states. Right. If you 
are in a same-sex relationship and you get married in, say, Massachusetts, and then you decide to go to Texas, move to Texas Mm -hmm. or something like that, where it's not allowed because the Republicans running that state said no, your marriage would still count. That's what this bill would do. If if you're a straight couple, you don't have to think about this because if you got married in a state and you travel to another state, your Mm -hmm. marriage is still valid and recognized as such. This would do that for same-sex couples. And by the way, interracial couples Mm. too. Yeah, being gay is going to become a lot like being like an attorney. You have to like pass a bunch of tests to move to a different (laughs) state and qualify for marriage in that particular state. Yeah. It's a lawyer joke for you, my friend. Well done. And so what happened last week uh-huh. is that when the vote was taken up in the House, uh-huh. it did pass. There are more Democrats in the House and a handful of Republicans. 64, is that what I heard? What? 64 Republicans, something like that. I have the number here somewhere oh. and I don't have it in front of me. It's somewhere in this it's, it's thing. It's several. It was several. Um, and only, yeah, a smaller handful of Republicans said that's a horrible idea, which, again, it's like, who the hell is still saying we shouldn't protect those rights today? It's messed up. And also, I, I think it's I kind of want to reemphasize that passing this would not like legalize marriage nationwide. They didn't go that mm-hmm. far. They didn't they didn't like pass an amendment saying that marriage is in, is between any two consenting adults no, no, or no. whatever. It just says this your is just marriage that, is respected yeah. in different states. 47 House Republicans said, "Yeah, fine. Of course it should be," along with the Democrats. So, all well and good on that front in the House. The question now is will that pass in the Senate cuz mm-hmm. it has to get 10 Republican votes. Good luck with that. We'll right. see. But one of the people who voted against, yes. Is his name Glenn Thompson? His name is Glenn Thompson. Great. One of the people who voted against the Respect for Marriage Act was a Republican named Glenn Thompson, who I honestly, I follow politics regularly. This guy's name doesn't come up in anything. There's he's a lot just, of them. He's just a Republican who votes the party line all the time. And the thing is, he basically... Uh, voted against it, um, and he didn't really put out much of a statement. The only statement on why he voted against it was this bill was nothing more than an election year messaging stunt for Democrats, which, okay, f- it's not a, it's not a stunt. This actually has substance, but also that has nothing to do with the merits. Like, you're saying I'm not voting for it because Democrats are pulling a stunt. Yeah, but you're still gonna let gay marriage get overruled and like you you're hurting gay people. Can you explain to me what the difference between a political stunt If Democrats is, do it uh-huh. and it is good for the country, that's uh-huh. a political stunt. Okay, but if a Republican votes for an act that has no chance of passing, that's... that strategy and good for the country and why do you hate America? Oh. Yeah. So uh, okay. Glenn Thompson, who is... Uh, from Pennsylvania, voted against this bill, gave Mm -hmm. a stupid answer as to why he didn't want to vote for it, but through his spokesperson. And then it turns out, later last week, guess where he went? About three days after he voted against that bill. Can I guess? Yes. He went to his son's wedding where his son was marrying... Another gentleman. That would be 100% accurate. Are you telling (laughs) me that the right is hypocrite? Actually, I want to say, I want to be on record as saying, I was actually very surprised by this one. This one shocked me because in my experience, and maybe this is very like, 
2000s to 2016, you know, pre 2022, like bullshit is that like, Oh my God, I talked myself out of the That's okay. What I was you think about, about it. Jessica. But yeah, they did go to their son's oh. wedding. And according to a statement uh, from his spokesperson, again, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a mouth of his own. Right. Congressman and Mrs. Thompson were thrilled to attend and celebrate their son's marriage on Friday night as he began this new chapter in his life. Mm. And then the spokesperson added, the Thompsons are very happy to welcome this new, their new son-in-law into their family. Mm-hmm. So I thought for a second when I first heard about this story, I'm like, did he go because like he begrudgingly went because it's his wondering. son? And according to his own people's statement, no. His- he went, I think I read somewhere the context of a speech he made at the wedding, and it was very much a typical father of sure. a groom speech, like, welcome to the family, you're yeah. one of us now, whatever. It was fine and bland, and did, you wouldn't sure. have thought twice about it. And again, the official statement he gave was thrilled to be there, happy to welcome the son in. Gay marriage is cool with him. So, okay, of so the, the reason, many questions. Quickly, the reason I, I uh, what I was trying to say before, the reason I'm surprised by this is in the past, up in like in a pre-2016 era, in my experience, Republicans turned pro-gay marriage as soon as they had a gay kid. Yeah, yeah. Right? Rob like Portman, so- uh, a senator from Ohio, did exactly yeah. that. Barack oh. Obama did the same thing. Right. He's like, well, Sasha and Malia have friends oh, who have gay parents, it? and it made me rethink. Whatever, I, I'm whatever you need to yeah. say to like jerk off, whatever. <laughs> but like now, I guess all of those old rules are out the window. Of like, you can actively vote against your f- immediate family's best interest, and everyone is like. What integrity he has. Well, and so this is what I don't get. Just to be clear, when Obergefell, the, when that ruling came down in mm. 2015, mm-hmm. his tweet was, Today's SCOTUS ruling disregards the will of millions of Americans by forcing them to redefine biblical marriage as defined by their faith. Is that tweet still faith. up? That is a, yup. Really? I found that tweet. He didn't pull it down. <laughs> I no. would think he would have scrubbed his, no, he why what why the bother? Fuck? So okay, of the many questions I now have So many questions. Um why is he thrilled for his son's marriage? Probably because he's he probably married another Republican and he's like <laughs> the only thing I can think of that's better than a nice Republican wife is two strong Republican men <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> like did he have a change of heart in seventy two hours? Did the I wanted to know, did the grooms want him there? I, need I don't know, to know the that. answer to that. How, I mean, and I don't know if this is a fair question, but I still had it. How come, what, what does his son and new son-in-law think about all this? I genuinely They are not public. They're not public figures. So is it fair to demand like, hey, you guys owe it to all of us mm. to explain what the hell's going on in your family? It's not fair, but counterpoint, I'm very nosy <laughs> and I really want to know. So does that like override anybody's sense of privacy? I don't know. Um, Keep in mind that like the entire Republican establishment, this is one issue where they're all over the place on it. Sure. You have conservatives like Dave Rubin who has a same-sex partner and is adopting a kid, and you had some Republicans like, congrats, Dave, and other ones like, the hell are you doing? Pete Buttigieg <laughs> and, and Chastain, there's, yeah. There's the log cabin Republicans who said this week, okay, maybe <sighs> our attempt to get Republicans to appreciate gay people and same-sex rights, okay, maybe that didn't work. Really? 
doggy. And everyone's like, dude, we've been telling you this for decades. But God, Herschel God Walker's him, you know? son in Georgia is oh. openly gay, and Herschel Walker is just like, what do you need me to say? I'll say well, anything Republicans His want. name is Herschel Walker. We shouldn't expect too much from a cartoon character. <laughs> so, like, there are openly gay conservatives. There's any number of reasons sure. Republicans could be like, that ship has sailed. I support gay rights. It's already passed. It's a done deal. You could say anything. It's truly and puzzling. And this guy still voted against it just before going to his own son's gay wedding. Can I ask oh. your your opinion and speculation? On? On uh, the future of, like, the Republican hot-button issues. Do you think they're going to mm. really stick to their guns and do gay marriage, abortion, and Oh, like guns? what's going to fall? Yeah, because, like, I feel like... Like, if they get power, or what will the Supreme no, Court no, no, do? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking of, like... They they uh, campaign on those things. They oh. campaign on campaign campaign on babies. They campaign on. They'll campaign guns. on more gun rights. They'll quote unquote yeah. gun rights. They'll also campaign on parental rights, which in practice just means let's make sure they never talk about gay things in school. Oh, Sex like ed in school, school is wrong. Bullshit. Yeah, school yeah. bullshit. Okay, that's that's going to be the big campaign thing if DeSantis jumps in. That's like sure. his favorite thing. He hates talking about abortion. Loves talking about trashing trans people. That's uh-huh. like DeSantis's thing. So I'm sure there's been some journalists who've looked into DeSantis, DeSantis's background and I'd be curious <laughs> if he's paid for one. Uh-huh. Who knows? So anyway, oy, Glenn, oy, oy. Thompson, what are you do? Kid of Thompson, what are you doing? Can you imagine, Hammond, if I were a guest at that wedding? How would I contain <laughs> the thing, the myself? The wedding occurred after every guest there theoretically knew how this guy had voted. Truly. What were those conversations Honestly, like? Honestly, I went to my friend's wedding and her dad now weirdly looks like Mitch McConnell. No. And I could barely look in his eyes. And, well, he was pretty scary to me. He yelled at me a lot as a kid. <laughs> he was very scary. Anyway. This is this not, is monstrous. This is not the story that's super important, but I can't not talk about it. Why is Ted Haggard in the news again? Who's Ted Haggard again? Okay, let's talk about that. Because I realized as this story happened this week, I'm like, there are people who probably have no clue who this guy is I right now. I know the name, but I would guess he was like... A 1940s country music singer? Close. Yeah? So in like the mid-aughts, mid-2000s, we uh, are talking new atheism's on the rise. What's his name t- George W. Bush's president, uh, Ted Haggard. Um, he is the head, the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. He is the go-to guy during a presidency when culture wars were all the rage. I mean, not that different from what it is now, uh-huh. but homosexuality was a major issue. Mm. Um, abortion, of course, stem mm-hmm. cells, all that stuff. But Ted Haggard is the guy you go to if you're a journalist, a, a TV reporter, and you want a conservative Christian voice. Today, they might go sure. to Franklin Graham or some other bigot. But that time, they went to Ted Haggard. He's the guy in front of the camera. He also happened to be the pastor of a growing megachurch in Colorado Springs, which is a hotbed of evangelical Christianity. Uh-huh. So in as, as far as evangelical power goes, he really is at the top of the pile. We're talking 2005, 2006. And then what happens is around that time... Uh, in 2006, a male escort, mm. he's open about that. Uh-huh. He basically goes on a radio show and he's like, 
I was, I, I'm paraphrasing here. I have met the guy, by the way, years ago. I did an interview really? with him. It's on my site. But basically he, he said, like? super nice. Huh. Um, I actually tried getting it. I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Um, I tried getting in touch with him. I can't seem to get in touch with him anymore. I hope hmm. he's okay. Yeah. But at the time, I think he was like, I'm working out and I see the TV and there is my client who I see regularly speaking out against gay people, gay marriage, and all of this. And of course, their interactions, they're not discussing politics or mm. beliefs. Um, and he's like, wait, wait, wait. It's one thing for a male escort to say, my client is a priest who wants to keep it quiet. That's one sure. thing. But for a guy to say like, I'm, I'm meeting you secretly, so don't tell anybody. But also I'm going to go on TV and speak out against the very thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That hypocrisy pissed off the male escort guy who went on the radio and said, yeah, Ted Haggard is one of my clients. Mm. He didn't know the guy's name. Now he does. And of course, there's deflection and denial. It's totally not me. And then over the course of a very brief time period, we find out, like, he said, okay, I've done some stuff, but it's not everything I'm being accused of. And very quickly, it's like, dude, you did everything you're being accused of, which, by the way, was seeing this guy for Uh a course of years and using illegal drugs with him or in his presence, I should say. So as a surprise to nobody... This sex worker is demonstrably more moral than Ted Haggard, which, by the way, I was thinking of Merle Haggard. They're fucking cousins. (laughs) Heaven, they're cousins. I did not know that. Um, And you're always saying all white people are related. You must be right. (laughs) So... Um, it didn't take long before Haggard... They're estranged cousins. Oh, yeah. He's estranged from a lot of people. Um, (laughs) He... He stepped down. Dead, so they're very strange. Go ahead. <laughs> he left his Colorado church in disgrace. Of course, mm. he stepped down from the National Association of Evangelicals. Nice. Basically, became synonymous for many years of Christian hypocrisy. Uh-huh. Like Glenn Thompson's got nothing on Ted Haggard <laughs> back in the day, and it happened so quickly. And then it's like for a couple of years, he was totally out of the spotlight Persona after being Nobody there. wants yeah. him. And then he pops up for a couple of magazine interviews, like, where's Ted Haggard now? Mm-hmm. And he's living still in Colorado. He moved away for a little bit, but he's with his family and his wife's still by his side. Um, there's some awkward pictures of him and his family. Like, there's one picture of him in, let's say, a hot tub, kissing his wife, fine, whatever, I get it, you think you're straight, (laughs) and his kids surrounding him, which is the most awkward family photo completely. But there's a couple articles about, like, well, he's... He started selling insurance at some point because he needed a real job, which is fine. And then he started a new church. That's a smaller church. Um, And he's been doing that ever since, just leading this small church. They don't get any attention, whatever. Uh Um, It's called St. James Church. He started that in 2010. Doesn't really get much attention or anything. Um, And by the way, this past April, this didn't even cross my radar at all. This past April, he sold the building that his church is housed in for like $2 million that I think he's going to use to start his next project. Mm. So he's still active. His next project, a pool? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So here's the thing. Why is this guy back in the news this week? Well, 
In the Denver Gazette, it turns out one of the pastors he worked with at his new church, mm-hmm. um, a guy named Kirk Sethman, he was ordained by Ted Haggard. He worked with Haggard at St. James. I'm going to read from the article. Mm-hmm. Sethman says he's concerned that as Haggard establishes, oh, I should say this. Haggard has been running this St. James church, regular church, smaller, but a church. He says, I'm selling off the building. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start like um, home ministries, home churches, because that's much more intimate and close and you get to know each other. Like, and that's actually a better way. So like gonna, house calls. Yeah. Like, well, I'm going to start a church in a house here and then those people have theirs and I'm going to help people start their own home churches. What? That's his next project, which... Fine, whatever. That's not new in the evangelical Like he's franchising world. out? <laughs> kind of, but helping people start their own churches. So exactly franchising out. Kind of. Um, but Sethman says he's concerned that as Haggard establishes his home ministry, mm-hmm. including providing a children's and youth ministry room in the basement, this is at his house, mm. um, as Haggard has described <laughs> in his sermons, the potential for him to pursue inappropriate actions with youths is high. My prayer is protecting the children and the young adults, he said. Okay, I mean, for a guy to be like, that seems sketchy. Okay, fine, but that's not a news story, whatever. Sure. Here's what he said, though. He has recorded statements, Mm -hmm. Sethman does, of two young males who were also part of the church who spoke of Haggard taking teens and young men four-wheeling without shirts and their chests muddied and of a propensity to come in contact with their bodies beyond a typical shoulder squeeze. Oh. So he's like... Sorry, the shoulder squeeze doesn't even sit right. Yeah. He's basically doing these youth camp sort of things with young boys and getting really close to them. I should be clear, there's no accusation of sexual assault or anything beyond that. It's just effing creepy. That's where we're at with stuck on the take off their shirts thing. I don't know what... People do it. That's weird. You guys, if you're riding quads around, you need to wear like clothes. You need protective clothing on you, okay? Helmets, helmets. Sethman's not done talking, though. Because he said in 2012, right? This is early in the church, new church's history. Franchise. Haggard asked a church member, a church member whom he was counseling about Uh drug abuse. Uh oh. He asked that guy, can you get me some meth? Allegedly. Word, oh, got, word got bad. Word got back to Sethman, and he brought a doctor who goes to the church, and they confronted Ted Haggard directly, he uh-huh. says. Haggard said, okay, I do have the drugs, and you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm going to give you the briefcase. Like, okay. I'm giving it to you, the guy who's coming to have this intervention. Can you get rid of it so that I'm not tempted by any of this stuff? And you would think if you're Sethman, like, yes, that's the right call here. Give me the material. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rid of it. And mm-hmm. then at least it's not by you. So you're not going to do it. Right. This is from the article again. After Sethman left Haggard's home with the briefcase, he said he decided to open it. Inside, Sethman said he found a bag of methamphetamine mm. with very little of the nearly one gram of meth left from what the young man had brought for Haggard, had bought for Haggard. So he used a good chunk of it. It also contained a, quote, well-used glass meth pipe, multiple sex toys, Mm. a DVD with two young males on the cover, Mm. and a credit card with Ted Haggard's name on it. Okay, um, I just need to back up a bit. He asked this man to procure meth for him? A guy he was counseling for drug abuse. 
He asked that guy, can you that get guy me some drugs? Get me meth. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, this drug addict, got him the got meth. Got him meth. Allegedly. Allegedly. And then Haggard used a good chunk of it. And of, then brought it back to him. Well, like who is looking through and finding this? This is Sethman, the other pastor who was not involved, but he's like, I'm staging an intervention. Gotcha. And Haggard's like, Yes, please do. Here's gotcha. here's what I still have. Okay. And inside is not only some drugs, but not all the drugs, uh-huh. meaning you use some of this. But some There's additional goodies. Additional goodies. And so, okay, mm. about the additional goodies, yeah. it's like interesting, not illegal, not illegal. obviously. Um, but the I drug mean, I use, probably wouldn't uh, put like sex toys with meth. Like yeah, I feel like I that can't be good for anybody's too. parts. And then in 2019, uh-huh. Sethman confronts him again because sure. it turns out this stuff is happening again. And he's like, I think you're using these drugs, which is illegal. Like you got to come clean to the church. You got to come clean to the cops. And here's my understanding of what happened. Haggard's like, yes, yes, I should. Can you can you step outside for just a second? I'll make a quick phone call. And Ted Haggard all the math. calls the police, and I'm reading from the article. In a tape of the 911 call to police, released to the Denver Gazette, Haggard describes Sethman, the other pastor, mm-hmm. as a delusional madman who had Haggard cornered in his church office. He told the other member who was in the office with Sethman that he would ruin his life. Yikes. Can I Ooh. ask the race of the drug addict? I don't know. Okay. I was I just know. really worried about that because, like, calling the cops on somebody is fucked. No, I think he's calling the cops saying, like, uh, the guy staging an intervention is actually the bad guy, and I need you to take him away. He's the bad guy. Cops, not me. Uh, I don't know. I but thought now- he was being like, oh, I'm being attacked. Oh! Come save me, please. But that means Haggard is now being accused of sexually inappropriate behavior. Mm -hmm. Not illegal, but like creepy as hell. Sure. And definitely accused of using like illegal drugs. Right. And that would would be a crime. And all of this is happening nearly more than 15 years Mm -hmm. after he actually had his downfall. It's like, what dude, you could just go back to your normal life. Be with your family. Get a normal person job. You don't have to be a religious leader. Yeah. I know. Like, Here's the thing. If you're a charismatic Christian pastor mm-hmm. of a megachurch, you have speaking skills. You mm-hmm. know how to get people's attention. Those you have giant it, teeth. It comes with a lot of inherent skills that you got to have if you want to grow a megachurch. Yeah. You and can use that in so many power. ways. And, he cho- and power. And he chooses to use that in a way that just keeps getting him into the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Listen, I'm not a psychiatrist, but this guy's just playing a ton of narcissistic traits <laughs> because I don't think his head is screwed on. Quite right. But I I don't know if you have any friends who are in recovery. I don't have friends. Oh, uh, you don't? I forgot. Ugh. Like, I, I have friends who are in recovery. Like, I wouldn't even send them to go, like, get a bottle of wine for me, let alone, like, <laughs> hey, can you get some meth for me, my good friend who is trying to abstain from yeah. meth? Can you be near it and close to it and around your people who used to make you you know, be with you when you did it? Is that? Yeah, great. Thank you. I just need it I, for a science fair project. I don't know how that story ends for him, but it's like, I didn't have to think of him for the rest of my life. And now here he is, just shows back up. So everyone's just sort of opted to forget any misdeeds. 
I have I no guess. idea. But I, the one optimistic thing is like, wow, I haven't thought about that guy in a really long time. Truly. Maybe there is a day I don't have to think about Franklin Graham or some of these other people. We yeah. are like whatever Bobert. But Green, it is not whoever. this day. It's not this day. Um, let's talk about Scientology. <laughs> this oh, is such a God. Scientology's weird been story a- here. Okay. Here's the tangential backstory you still got to know to make sense of this. Oh, boy. That 70s show, there was an actor who played Hyde, Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson. Masterson? He's been accused of sexual assault Mm. uh, against several women. I had a huge crush on him. This was all very distressing news. (laughs) So he's that 70s show star, prominent Scientologist, Mm -hmm. accused of sexual assault. There is a trial that is taking place later this year regarding that issue. He denies everything. Okay, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, separate from that, in 2019, the women who are suing him, they also sued, at least some of them, they sued the Church of Scientology. Why? They said the people who are like prominent in Scientology are harassing and intimidating us for going after one of their big stars. Sure. And like, according to the lawsuit that was filed, I'm going to read this because holy shit, I didn't know about this. Uh And looking at the details, it's crazy. Plaintiffs allege Scientology's agents committed the following acts against them, surveilled them, hacked their security systems, filmed them, chased them, hacked their email, Mm. killed and attempted to kill their pets, (gasps) tapped their phones incited others to harass them, threatened to kill them, broke their locks, broke into their cars, ran them off the road. Jesus. Posted fake ads purporting to be from them, soliciting anal sex from strangers. Oh, anal sex. Broke their windows, set the outside of their home on fire, went through their trash, and poisoned trees in their yards. Well, that one feels petty. (laughs) So... I should Jesus. say, Jesus, Donnie's happy. Here's where I'm it petting gets. Her now. Here's where it gets <laughs> weird. Beyond that, nobody's going to kill you. I promise. The this lawsuit, the Church of Scientology, mm-hmm. is saying you need to toss out the entire lawsuit. Oh, because the women had signed a service contract when they were taking. Cor- I mean, the service contract you sign is like if you want to take a Scientology course. Uh-huh. Which is a lot of people who are not necessarily full-fledged members, much less staffers, sure. much less at a higher level. Of course. They still make you sign a contract. And one of the clauses in that contract is that if there is any disagreement between you and the church, you have to agree to an arbitration like in-house arbitration. A lot of big companies do this sort of thing. Like you can't sue us for anything. We will deal with it internally. Is, we'll get a third-party mediator to go through it. Is this in the same it. universe as like an NDA or is it a completely different thing? Yeah, like you uh, can't... It's different. They're okay. saying, look, we will assign a third-party person to look at both of our cases. Sure, and a definitely we'll, neutral third-party Definitely party neutral third-party And you agreed to that when you signed up with us, is what the church is saying. And the thing is, these women have since left the Church of Scientology. But Scientology is telling the courts, you got to toss out this case because they promised they would undergo arbitration and not take this to a secular court. Oh, so they're not denying that they did anything wrong. Well, they're that's just a separate say, issue. Oh, sure. Separate issue sure. is the merits Even of the case. Even if we did stalk them and murder their dogs, yeah. 
They signed a piece of paper in 2012, so I don't know who's right or who's wrong here. Well, so a lower court a while ago said... Swear to God, said, yes, they did sign those clauses, so yes, the women should go through religious arbitration. I should say... People have criticized the Church of Scientology's religious arbitration because guess who the arbiters are? They are people who have good standing in the Church of Scientology. Like, it's kind of a biased thing to begin with. But the Court of Appeal in California rejected that earlier this year. They said all these incidents that we are talking about, the alleged harassment and intimidation, Uh all of that occurred after the women left the church. Right. And so the arbitration clause that whatever happens between us, we will settle between us. All of that doesn't apply because they left the church. They are no longer bound by religious rules. And then all this stuff happened that they are now alleging. So like all the incidents took place in the secular world, not within the Scientology bubble. So a a court of appeals said, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course we could try this in court. Let's get on to the merits here. Yeah. So what is the Church of Scientology doing now? They have, I should say, uh, this is from that California Court of Appeals. Okay. Um, This, the issue properly phrased is after petitioners, the, the women, have left the faith, can Scientology still require that all of Scientology's future conduct with respect to the women um, be governed by Scientology law Hmm. with disputes to be resolved solely in Scientology tribunals by Scientology members? We conclude it cannot. (laughs) Just like written, like if you have a prenuptial agreement to raise children in a particular faith and then one parent leaves the faith... You can't hold them to what they used to say. Sure. Science, they said, quote, Scientology's written arbitration agreements are not enforceable yeah. against members who have left the faith. I also... To hold, to hold otherwise would bind members uh, irrecov- uh, irrevocably <laughs> to a faith they have the constitutional right to leave. Yeah. Basically, Scientology suggests that one of the prices of joining its religion or obtaining a single religious service is eternal (laughs) submission to a religious forum. The Constitution forbids a price that high. So are they saying that this boilerplate bullshit that they had these people sign Mm -hmm. goes all the way to ongoing harassment like alleged alleged you know all this shit of like threatening bodily harm running them off the road fucking killing their pets poisoning yeah. their property this is not oh um i paid 20 dollars for this thing and i want it back i'm gonna sue you that's not the same thing like this is so intellectually dishonest for them to be like Mm, they signed like imagine the imagine you signed a purity pledge in an evangelical church point and then you're like i'm not an evangelical christian anymore and then years later they're like uh you signed this thing we have to hold you to this i'm like what there also has to be a part of like it's symbolic yeah it doesn't mean anything outside your bubble like i'm just thinking of like any any person who rides a horse at my barn has to sign a, a waiver to say like horse riding is inherently dangerous. Right. But 
if we put a kid on a horse and then slap the horse so it's galloping around <laughs> and the kid falls and off. And you did that in off hours on your free time or something. Yeah. Oh my, like truly, like yeah. that's what this feels like Imagine to me. You, like you can't sue me even though I spooked your horse and killed your kid. When you baptize a kid in the Catholic Church, you are agreeing that you will raise that baby in the Catholic faith. But if a parent yeah. then decides I'm no longer Catholic, they are not bound by that requirement. In, like, that's the thing. The laws you agree to as a member or a wannabe member of a religious group are fine within the confines mm-hmm. of that faith. When you leave it and you decide, you know what? I'm not bound by your beliefs anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not bound by their beliefs. Oh, I didn't even get to why we're talking about oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> All that stuff happened earlier this year. The, the California Court of Appeals said, yeah. Scientology, what the hell are you doing? You can't yeah. block these women's lawsuit. So the Sci- Church of Scientology this week filed an appeal with the Supreme Court. And their no. argument is that saying we can't enforce our religious contract here violates our religious freedom. Did you hear that, Clarence Thomas? Religious freedom they're asking the Supreme Court to overturn the the Court of Appeals decision Whoa. now and bind these women to that contract by using the religious freedom argument that the Supreme Court loves. Okay. That's the story here. Okay. Okay. That was a lot for me to take in. Uh-huh. It's a 144-page documentation fi- uh, filing they made with the uh-huh. Supreme Court. And they said, while secular entities can enforce contracts over the objection of a party, blah, 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 churches can now, uh-huh. churches cannot, as long as a party says, I've changed my faith. <laughs> and the Court of Appeals said, well, yeah, that's all that matters. And they did it because churches are religious They said our contracts don't matter because our contracts are religious. Whereas if Amazon, let's say, made you sign an NDA and now you don't work with them anymore, you would, of course, say, no, the NDA still still applies because they're a secular company. Why are you saying our contracts don't matter? That's religious discrimination. That is the Church of Scientology's agreement. here. Well, good luck. So will the Supreme Court accept? I mean, four justices would have to say, yes, let's hear the case. We won't get an answer to that till uh, for a while now, but it's just wild that that's even up in the air at all. I mean, the Supreme Court has a habit of treating religion like everything else, even when it plays by an entirely different set of rules. Um, you re- might remember that when we were talking about mask mandates at the early stages of the pandemic, a lot of states said, okay, you have to wear a mask, you have to have restricted gatherings, but if you go to a grocery store, there doesn't have to be a limit of like 10 people or 15 people. And then churches said, well, sure, we're an indoor space and stuff, but if you say grocery stores can have 100 people, then we should be able to have like 100 people uh, and we don't have to wear masks or whatever those the two are. things are analogous. Yeah. Their argument was if you're going to make a rule for anything secular, it should also apply to religious situations, even though we are comparing apples and oranges. Okay. And the Supreme Court's like, yes, you do have to treat them the same. And the Church of Scientology is using that to enforce uh this rule. I I would like to think in a sane world, of course, the Supreme Court's never going to take this up. Sure. But it's the Supreme Court. So. Would this be a hoisted by their own petard thing for religion if they got this one to the Supreme Court? I don't think I oh. understand what 
the long-term consequences that I, would be, but I can't okay. imagine they're good. One thing that came into my mind is if the court took it up, if they sided with the Church of Scientology here, you would start seeing a lot of like religious contracts yeah. from a lot of churches. Like, listen, sign this and hand us over your life like, because truly, Jesus, so you need us, so you got to sign this piece of paper. Can the Catholic Church hit me up because I haven't tithed for 36 years? You know, right? Like, you agreed like, to I'm this. I'm still, like, I was baptized into the church. I didn't get communionized. Like, I don't it, think that's it what it's It totally it's depends cold. on what they would do with this sort of case. But again, the right thing to do would be to say the Court of Appeals was right. The church cannot bind people to it after mm-hmm. they've left for incidents that happened after they left the faith. Like, like, give us a break. The right thing to do would be no one wants to hear this case because there's nothing to discuss. So hypothetically, could somebody who was raised in the Baptist church and then left and then proceeded to get married of somebody of the same gender, like, would there be consequences for that person because they're no longer living biblically? (laughs) Like, truly, I don't know what they think that the long-term effects of this are going to be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... I'm just shocked that the Supreme, that the Church of Scientology, not surprised, but like still, wow. The fact that they lost this case, we are going, we should have a trial based on the merits of the harassment and allegations of intimidation. Mm -hmm. Let's have that trial and see what happens. And the court wanted, the church wanted to toss it out. It's not tossed out. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, Supreme Court, help us out here. So that means they lost. The first court and won so, uh, Church the, of Scientology won. Won the first initially. one and then lost the appeal. And then it was overturned. Appeal. And now they're like, Supreme Court, come on, overturn the appeal. Boy, oh boy. This is a really good look for Scientology. They're mm. really going to get a lot of new members here. I do have one good news story if you want it. Mm, I know. Um, Pass. <laughs> um, Too much good news floating if I, around. If I ask you, what's the stereotypical oh. image oh, of God. an atheist? It's probably older, white, male, probably academic. Well, or if you're going to ask me, degree. then I would ask you not to answer the question that you <laughs> just point, asked fair me. Fair point, fair point. The look you were giving me said, go, you do this. <laughs> um, and I was starting to think, like, when was the last time that wasn't the image of an atheist? And it's like probably Madeline Murray That's O'Hare. That's exactly what I was, was about to say. That was a long time ago. long time ago. So this is what I was surprised by. Uh, sociologist Ryan Burge, we've talked about him before, does a nice job of finding data, looking at what the numbers are saying mm-hmm. and analyzing it. He wrote an article for Christianity Today because he found out the thing he was looking at is historically, who's more religious, mm. women or men? Interesting question. I never thought to divide that up. I would say historically women. Yeah. Historically, women tend to be more religious. Like, uh, what do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you believe in God? More women than men say yes. Do you attend church regularly? More women than men say yes. Um, What he found is that that's that's been historically true. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look at younger women, we're talking like. Uh, Generation Z. We're talking, I don't know, like 25 or younger. Mm -hmm. If you look at that data, it turns out women are more non-religious than men for the first time ever. It switched. Surprised, but not surprised. I don't know how to feel. Keep going on that. Here's what he wrote, uh, I should say. Um, Among 18 to 25-year-olds, 49% of women are nuns, have no religious affiliation, compared to just 46% of men. 
And that's like the first glimpse. So like, okay, women are women's percentage? 49 to 46. Okay. It's a little gap here, but it's, this is the result of a, they were getting closer, closer. It switches. Now women are more non-religious and it looks like that's widening at least a little bit. So the question that he didn't try to answer because Mm -hmm. he's just here to tell you what the numbers say. The question is, why is that happening? Why are younger women more likely to say, I want nothing to do with organized religion, slightly more so than men? I genuinely feel like this is going to be too obvious, but like, it's just very on the nose. In the year of our Lord, 2022, women realize that there are options open to them (laughs) and careers they can have beyond, you know, being a homemaker, which that's still an option too. Um, But I can't imagine that young women who have been, like even women my age, who have been raised more or less to be a little more, you know, less traditionally feminine and more active in the, like, economy, Gen Z is more of that. And I don't think they're going to take it well when somebody says, no, you can't have female church leaders. Like, women don't get power. You can't do this because you're a woman. Like, and, and fucking these... Churches are still preaching anti-abortion shit. And women are, Americans in general, but women especially, are extremely pro-abortion. It just, nothing the church is selling young women want to buy. Because what the fuck is there for them? One of the the things they mentioned in the Christianity Today article is a lot of evangelical churches, especially evangelical churches, Baptist churches, they've really pushed a alpha male sort of mm-hmm. approach that's like we're going to have a men's weekend you got to be you got to promote your manhood sure. whatever and while that might have helped men stay within the fold mm-hmm. it probably pushed some women out of the fold i would argue like you were saying evangelical catholic baptist spaces are just they're not safe spaces for women um, no. They keep women very uh, in a box mm-hmm. in terms of what they can do, what they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's inherent sexism when it comes to purity culture. Of course. Like you mentioned, the policy positions held by conservative religions uh, disproportionately hurt women. Abortion restrictions, yes. Possible contraception bans, yeah. yes. They can't be leaders in certain churches. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the way, there's the disrespect <laughs> Sorry, I have a long list. There's no, disrespect okay. shown to female leaders. Like Beth Moore is a Baptist, yeah. uh, former Southern Baptist uh, preacher. Mm-hmm. Not running a church, but teaching the Bible. Right. And they shit on her all the time. Yeah. Um, in terms of the roles they can have, it, there's nothing. And that's beyond all the other reasons people have just been leaving organized religion in general. Sure. Which applies to men and women. Yeah. This is such a dumb joke, but all I could think of was like, I'm sorry, when I was 16 and I had a gay best friend, if I went to church and someone's like, gays are going to hell, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. My friends are better than you. Like, I can, I just simply can't imagine unless a family does a good enough job of shielding their girls from the world, I'm just simply not sure there's a way back into this and i think you made a good point that i hadn't thought about earlier is the alpha male of it all because i guarantee you if a dude comes back from his weekend with the bros and they talk about we're men we take what's ours we're hunters we do whatever i bet that's not a fun guy to live with for a (laughs) a few days or weeks and it's uh, listen women are fucking tired 
And this does not surprise me in the least. So a little bit of optimism for you. They're leaving. They're leaving those churches. Am I still so mad about it? I'm not. I'm just living that life right now. I'm going to jump to this test because after the Supreme Court's recent spate of anti-church state separation rulings, Mm -hmm. one question has been like, okay, we see how they ruled on a bunch of shit. Mm -hmm. It's bad. But what's going to happen in the future with this stuff? This week, we got a hint of what that future looks like. And I'll try to shorten this backstory for you. But basically, in 2014, in in a Ocala in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, basically, the police chief posted a letter. There was a lot of crime going on in that city at the time. And the chief of police posted a letter to the department's Facebook page. It's mm-hmm. official, coming from the top of the pile there. Um, co-signed by a community development director with the local YMCA, basically saying... We are, I'm quoting, we are facing a crisis in the city of Ocala and Marion Uh County that requires fervent prayer and your presence to show unity, dot, dot, dot. Mm. I am urging you all to please support a very important community prayer vigil. Basically, hey, everyone, I'm the chief of police. Uh Let's pray to solve our problems. It's a Christian prayer vigil. Can you all come by? Sure. Help us out. Yeah. And it's like, you can't promote a Christian prayer vigil as chief of police. Cool. I understand wanting to unite the community around something. Mm -hmm. I do believe that has value. Yeah. But not around this, not on your, not using your title as chief of police, not using the department as your, like, grounds to do this. Why? Why was he calling for an emergency prayer session? Um, Crime. To stop the crime. And sorry, quickly, what was his role? Chief of police. And so the only tools he has at his disposal to control crime is... God. That's it. Okay, so when we say defund the police, (laughs) and they're like, no, the police do a lot of important things. Is this what they're talking about? Yes, they pray a lot. Mm. Um, So the American Humanist Uh, Association... No, they don't just pray. Sometimes. Sometimes they just stand by while there's a mass shooter in a school. Oh, I was going to say sometimes they just murder black people. Oh, that too. Um, The American Humanist (laughs) Association wrote a letter saying you can't do that. Remove your prayer request and stop this in the future. I do love that Um, whenever you, like, summarize somebody's cease and desist letter, you sound so exasperated on the (laughs) panel. Come on, guys, stop doing this. You know you can't. Like, I just liked (laughs) it. The mayor of the city responded saying, what are you complaining about? It's fine because we open every city council meeting with a prayer and we end the prayer in Jesus name we pray and nothing bad has ever happened in Florida so like, what do you say you can't say that you're admitting the crime right okay whatever but also like what is that oh we <laughs> this already this isn't even the story this, this isn't cr- even the story <gasps> Basically, AHA, American Humanist, uh, American Humanist Association, they eventually filed a lawsuit mm-hmm. over this because they weren't taking the hint. Mm-hmm. They weren't listening to the warnings. And basically, a judge said in 2016, by the time this got resolved, um, his name is uh, U.S. District Judge Timothy Corrigan. He basically said, yeah, you got to listen to the atheists over here. Hey. He wrote... The government cannot initiate, organize, sponsor, or conduct a community prayer vigil. That's what happened here. Um, and I want to, this is the important thing you got to get from his ruling from 2016. When it comes to how can you say that what the police chief did crossed the line? That's the question here, right? Like, how? How? He, how? 
like, how do we know, legally speaking, how did we know he crossed the line? And what the part with the prayer, I thought. Yeah, why? (laughs) Why is the prayer wrong? And basically, what Corrigan said is that when it comes to the Establishment Clause and the First Amendment and Mm -hmm. stuff, we have a test we can use to discern if something is illegal or not. It's called the Lemon Test. And there are three parts to the Lemon Test. It's basically saying... Everything that a government does, every statute, every law, mm-hmm. it has to have a secular purpose. Okay. It cannot advance or prohibit religion, okay. like be neutral. And it has to avoid excessive government entanglement with religion. Ooh, I feel like that one's going to be well, a big one. He went through all three of those uh-huh. and he said... The prayer vigil is not secular. There's no secular purpose to this. Correct. This does advance religion, not just religion, but a particular religion. It's so funny because he could have called it a candlelight vigil. Yeah. You, and avoided all of this. They could have done all this. And obviously there's excessive government entanglement. You're yeah. using the police's Facebook page yeah. as the chief of police to tell people to do it. So he said, if you fail any one part of the lemon test, right. it's illegal. You failed all three of them. So, yeah, it's definitely wrong. I'm ruling on the side of the and American Human Society. Florida said. Well, that was where we were at for a long time. And people thought that was an unjust ruling, apparently. <laughs> I should say, the as a result of losing that case, mm. the city owed the plaintiffs $6. It was $1 for each of the two defendants for the three counts. Because this isn't about the money. This is about not. principle. Um, Did they only said a penalty? And they had to pay the legal and attorney's fees. But that should have been the end of the story. Sure. But the uh, American Center for Law and Justice, one of those right-wing legal groups, they filed an appeal. Um, They were like, this is cancel culture. You're trying to shut down First (laughs) Amendment. They literally said cancel culture in their ruling. Oh, that's going to be the Republican Um, thing when they're done with like gay marriage or whatever is cancel culture. But they appealed that decision. And again, these things take a long time to resolve. Mm -hmm. But last week on Friday, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, they finally issued a ruling. And what they said, and I'm paraphrasing here. Actually, no, I'm not paraphrasing here. They said when it comes to the question of whether the city violated the establishment clause, Mm -hmm. like the judge had said, this is what the court said. Did Did they violate the establishment clause? Maybe. And then here's what they say. Here's what they say. Judge Corrigan used the lemon test as his standard to decide whether these people crossed the line and did something illegal as far as the establishment clause goes. Is this guy throwing out the lemon test? Well, they they didn't throw it out. They said the Supreme Court has now made it clear in no uncertain terms the lemon test is dead. They actually cited the Kennedy-Bremerton case with the praying football coach at midfield where the conservative justices said this thing is gone. Like, the lemon test is dead. They said that in their decision. We got to stop using that as a standard. They actually cited Antonin Scalia from way back when about how the lemon test, this is Scalia talking, the lemon test is like a ghoul in a late night horror movie that repeatedly sits up in its grave and shuffles abroad after being repeatedly killed and buried. And Scalia was basically saying, this is a stupid test, let's get rid of it. And every time we want to get rid of it, this court, the Supreme Court, keeps bringing it back as if it's a relevant test. But it's something we just made up. It's stupid. It's not constitutional. It's something we just made up, unlike government. Yeah. Um, so this, but in the Kennedy-Bremerton case and all the Supreme Court church-state decisions they've been making over the past few months, mm-hmm. the conservatives on the court said 
the lemon test is dead. Stop using it. So that raises the question of, well, then how do we know if something that seems religious when the government does it, how do we know if it crosses the line? Mm -hmm. And the new rule that this Supreme Court has put in place is don't use the lemon test. You got to see if it's tradition, if it's historical, because if it is, then you got to let it slide. Remember a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. there was like a giant cross, cross and they said, well, it's been around for a long time. And no one thinks of this as a religious thing. Except it's like all the it's, people who <laughs> were praying around it. Every yeah. day. Um, so this new court, this appellate court said, well, the Supreme Court tells us you can't use the lemon test as a rule anymore. So what they said is, hey, judge who made that decision years ago, we're nullifying it. We're vacating your ruling. It doesn't count anymore what? because you use the wrong standard that you're not allowed to use. Wait. Yep. Hang on. So the 11th Circuit said everything you wrote years ago, it doesn't count anymore. We're giving the case back to you. And what they said is you have to now look at this case again and see about you have to judge it based on historical practices and understandings. I'm sorry, are we going to go back in time and relitigate everything that has yeah, passed in the last two hundred and fifty? That's how I the did law not works. know that was an option that, that an we option. could somebody can just be like, mm, so fuck that one. I asked uh, Professor Caroline Malacorbin of the University of Miami School of Law, like, what's the deal now? And one of the things she told me is now governments need not even bother offering a secular reason for their laws and actions. They can just, they could totally do something religious and say, well, this is how we've always done it. So it's legal now. And according to the Supreme Court, if there's a tradition behind it, if you just get in early enough, But I don't understand how the tradition worked for the football guy. He was like 40. How long? Well, they used a different argument for him saying like, well, you let coaches talk on the phone or chat with their family in the stands. So you can't punish this guy for using his free time after a game. Hey, Hammond, um, did we lose the ball game already? (laughs) We totally lost. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. Like it's lost. Church state separation is basically dead right now. Unless something like, overly egregious happens when everyone knows it's crossing the line. But on any case where a conservative could be like, they're not sure. Like you can make a conservative case that when the police chief wanted a prayer vigil in response to a crime wave, he wasn't doing it to promote Christianity. He was just trying to bad at his job. (laughs) He was just trying to bring people together. And that's fine. Like, they could make that argument. I'm not saying it's a good argument, but they could make that argument. And now the test is like, well, is that what have we done prayer vigils before? Have they been secular? Is there a historical reason prayer vigils have been used? And if the answer is, yeah, I mean, they've done them before. They were just never overtly Christian about it. So, uh, you could get away with it. And, and again, in, as far as how much is this going to impact your life, this case, probably not that much. The question is, what else are they going to use this right. for? Because now you have teachers who may want to pray, push prayer on kids in school. And now there's a new way for them to get around that stuff. So is the ultimate goal homogenization, homogenization of... 
the American populace into Christian Christianity. Because Christianity or, has been historically popular and because... It always gets precedence. It always gets precedence. And even though the Supreme Court might say, well, this would apply to any religion. So it's, it's like, well, idea. Muslims didn't have a big stamp on the country in 1920. It sounds to me... God, fucking 1920. Speaking of, like, the fucking 17th century. Like, this is what all this shit is dating back, back to. Mm. I just... Do they want, is, it seems to me the only goal that is going to satisfy the right is a resegregation of the country based on religion, socioeconomic status, (laughs) and race, right? Like, Turns out if you're like a white male Christian, you're, you're going to be all right. No, but no, I'm not like, I'm not doing a bit like truly like. Okay, if, so they know there are atheists because we're here. Mm-hmm. And I understand they don't think of us, but I just want, I want you try to like think of long game. Is there idea that all the atheists move the to Court. Massachusetts and do our atheist bullshit there and they can have the Midwest and we'll take New York City ooh, and they, the Republicans. Like oh. the what, their ultimate goal of like nationalizing Christianity, is it because they want everybody to be a Christian or do they want to genuinely they, funnel the Muslims and the people who do not agree with them into their own states and be like, states rights, my dude, you can do whatever you want. We're going to go full on Gilead up here. I think their general, their general principle is like the country ought to be run by Christian values like it was in their minds hundreds of years ago. And what that means in their minds is whatever policy positions they want to force on everyone else. Cause like, I promise you the founding fathers did not think about trans people. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, whatever they're just saying, well, that was a Christian nation back in the day. It wasn't, but that's their claim. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that should be kind of the baseline for everybody. And, like, look, if California wants to do its thing, so be it, because you could shove all the liberals in one state. And guess what? Then conservatives control the Senate. It won't make a big difference. Like, that is what's happening. Because like no one's going to college right now or grad school saying like, man, when I graduate, I'm going to like move to Mississippi or Alabama. Like I'm sure some do. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. But like compared to people who are like, I want to move to a big city, mm-hmm. even if it's in a red state, it's in the big city part mm-hmm. of that state. That's by and large what people are doing. And that's fine because with gerrymandering, it doesn't matter within the state. Yeah. And if it's nationally if you're all going to the same handful of states and that's your like that's where you want to move eventually or that's where you want to settle with your family uh-huh. it won't matter on the national level yeah because of the way that system is rigged it's very frustrating it is very frustrating right, i got one last oh my god i thought we were done jesus i'm so no, tired this is mildly maybe a good thing we'll see um Kentucky, in the state of Kentucky, they have a Democratic governor, but they Mm -hmm. have a very, very Republican uh, attorney general Mm -hmm. and a very Republican legislature. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, in 2019, the state of Kentucky passed trigger laws, assuming Roe v. Wade would be overturned. Two in particular. One of them would have banned all abortion except to save the life of a mother. It also would have made it a crime to abortion providers. Uh, That was one law. Another law they passed in 2019 saying if Roe v. Wade gets uh, gets overturned, then uh, you it 
abortions are outlawed after a fetal heartbeat is detected, which tends to be before some women even know they're pregnant. And also is not a use of proving something is alive in any other medical mm-hmm. science. Right, right. Just it's in case anybody laws. forgot. These are basically their no. ways of saying if Roe v. Wade is overturned, like we're going to we ban abortion. I tend to say heartbeat laws a lot, and I just want to make sure yeah. we're all fucking clear about what that means. That doesn't mean anything. It's it a made-up thing. It means nothing. And by the way, that second law, there's yeah. no exception for rape or incest. Okay. Sure, who cares? So they passed these in 2019. Well, guess what? Roe v. Wade is now overturned. So the attorney general in Kentucky, uh, Daniel Cameron, is like, well, I guess we can invoke these laws that we passed years ago. And starting on this date, abortions done in Kentucky. Well, last Friday, um, a circuit judge, Mitch Perry, he said, um, no, there's an injunction like Planned Parenthood. I, I shouldn't say Planned Parenthood. It wasn't. It was two other groups. Planned Parenthood of Louisville and EMW Women's Surgical Center. They sued. They're saying you can't put those into effect because Kentucky's constitution guarantees a right to privacy, equal protection, and hmm. religious freedom. And like, Wait, those, they have an EPA? Mm, eh, okay. They said... If you allow those 2019 laws to go into effect, and uh-huh. they have not been uh-huh. up until this moment, but if you allow those laws to go into effect, they would be illegal because they violate the state constitution. Okay. And it wasn't an issue because they were just hypotheticals okay. until now. And last week, the judge listened, took those arguments into question, and before the laws could go into effect, he said, yeah, at least temporarily, I'm blocking those laws from going into effect. Abortion is still legal in Kentucky as of this moment. But I want to get to what he said. Like, for example, the Kentucky attorney general, the Republican, he said, well, the law that created the six-week abortion ban, for example, it establishes fetal personhood, this concept that anti-abortion people made up, Mm -hmm. which says (laughs) the second um, life begins at the moment of fertilization. At conception. It doesn't matter. But what the judge said is, and I'm quoting here, this is a distinctly Christian and Catholic belief. What? Other faiths hold a wide variety of views on when life begins. Hold so the fucking yeah. phone. Is somebody speaking with logic on this topic? <laughs> so basically, and he went on, the judge went on to say, there's nothing in our laws or history that allows for such theocratic-based policy making dang basically what this judge is saying is well kentucky's constitution guarantees religious freedom and yet the laws you passed in 2019 are not based on science they're based on a specific religious view Mm -hmm. of when a fetal when something is alive when it's a person yeah and that law violates the religious freedom of Jewish people, for mm-hmm. example, who might have a religious reason to say it's not a person until it's born, much less non-religious people, much less and others. Here's what I'm curious is how this is going to shake out, because we saw another case. I, I uh, don't know if this made it to your desk, Kevin, um, but there is a woman in Texas who's pregnant. And I've heard of Texas. She, oh, you have? Okay. Uh, her name is uh, Brandy uh, Batone. Uh, she's from Plano. She's 34. Oh, nope. She's not 34. She's 34 weeks into her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. She was driving on Highway mm-hmm. 75 in the HOV lane, which yeah. is the, the high, lane. high occupancy vehicle lane, yeah. which I truly didn't know what HOV stood for until like last year. <laughs> um, 
she said, "This is the lane you cannot drive by yourself." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and we don't have them. here. We don't have them here. I think California and uh, Georgia. I think are the places. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Not important or interesting. Um, so she's. <laughs> I know she's driving to pick up her son. She uh, took the HOV lane because she was running late. Um, couldn't like miss picking him up. Um, there's a checkpoint at the end of the, at the end of the exit. I slammed under your brakes, was pulled over by the police. The officer looked in and said, is there anybody else in the car? And I said, well, yes. And he said, where? And I pointed at my stomach. My baby girl's right here. She's a person. And he said, oh no, it's gotta be two people outside the body. Oh yeah. Now it's a person. It's only when it's after it's born, then mm-hmm. it's a person. It doesn't count as a person when it's just inside you. Or when you need, uh, you know, you want to get your, uh, what's the <laughs> incentive? What's the thing that they gave people for who have kids, extra money, the government, right? Didn't they give kids like a child tax Credit. Credit. No, right? I, I don't know. Okay, there was a thing. There was a thing when we were all getting payments from the government, and like you get, Jesus, Hemant, you have kids. You must know these things. I anyway. I pay attention to that. Well, like, okay, so, ugh. Anyway, I do like her argument. It's, I mean. Saying, you can't give me a ticket because I am driving in the carpool lane, but guess what? There's two of us I'm here. I'm telling you so what. So, Texas, pick a lane here. Uh, what do you want? Uh, what do you want? Is that two people in the lane? In which case, by the way, if she's right on what she's saying, mm. any woman driving by herself... You never know when I'm pregnant. You don't know if she's pregnant. Are she you going to carry test, uh, pregnancy tests in your <laughs> cop car? Because I yeah. swear to fucking God, I will pee in front of a cop all day and all night. <laughs> I do love that she's calling them out on it. And I don't so even know how that's... Funny. After I saw that first story, I don't know how it ended. Uh, um, like, is Texas actually looking at this? Are they going to let it slide? Because if they let it slide... Her court date was July 20th, and it's the 28th, right. so... So we'll get a ruling eventually. <laughs> so again, the question is, if Texas says, well, a fetus is a person, right. then she wins, which means all women will be able to use those carpool lanes, no matter if they're pregnant or not, because how would you know? I'll tell you what. And then, by the way, those carpool lanes would become meaningless. Meaningless. Because everyone I, would just drive on I'll them. I'll tell you what, if I'm still single and being a special slutty i am suing every man i sex with i, I sex with i, sex I have with, yes. sex with for one month of uh child what's the thing child i don't know where when you have to pay for your kid jesus heaven there's alimony two of us. child Alim- support not, child support all right, <sighs> all right. um i should say one of the things i liked in this judge's ruling he and i just to be clear he did not say that uh, he's stopping the abortion bans from going into effect. He hasn't ruled on the merits. He just said, like, for now, uh, abortion's still legal until we rule on the merits. But one of the things he wrote in his decision, this is not a particularly close call. <laughs> like, of course, this is a violation of other people's religious beliefs. Right. Pretending that a fetus is right. a person. Right. Uh, when plenty of religious people would disagree with you. And that wins. The religious freedom clause in our constitution in the state beats your idea the, of when life begins, which is a religious belief and not a scientific one or anything like well, that. Well, the funny thing is conservatives love their slippery slope argument. Uh, oh, if we let two men marry each other, what's to keep a man from marrying an insect? Like, But they <laughs> didn't. Get around to slippery sloping the Roe v. Wade situation. Yeah, I don't think they realized it was going to happen. And I really hope people who are much smarter than me make them pay. <laughs> Ew, did that sound aggressive? Um, yes. 
It's not. It's it's meant to be. It's meant to be emotionally aggressive, all not right. physically aggressive. That's all I got today. Okay. Um. Before we go, I have two thank yous. I want to thank um listener Richie, who heard apparently I said I need stickers. I don't. I talk a lot on this fucking show, you guys. I say all sorts of shit. Um, but Richie's wife makes stickers, and they sent me a ton of Pride stickers. Uh, you know, Ally. One, uh, this one I really like. It says, respect my LGBTQ plus friends, or I'm going to identify as a fucking problem. <laughs> which I find just really speaks to my soul. <laughs> I also want to thank Stephanie, um, who made some t-shirts for me because I found this dumb, my friend sent me this dumb thing that was, it just said, God gave us horses to make up for men or, or like (laughs) as an apology for men or something like that. And I posted it in the group and was like, I immediately need this. And Stephanie, bless her heart, paid her 30 bucks. She sent me two t-shirts and like less than a week with two different original designs. Um, I would only wear those shirts to work if I had enough to create a wardrobe. So do with that information as you will. I'm a size medium. If you like the show, (laughs) please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. You could find me at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Uh, Go to uh, friendly atheist podcast. Dot com yep, you can find me find these episodes um, at Jess Blumke, and you can always go on iTunes and read a review like this one that I vetted. Nope. <laughs> uh, once a week and withdrawal from Arcadia Cat. Five stars. Sorry, once a week is not doing it for me. I understand <laughs> that daily is not possible. You both insist in private lives for some reason. I roll emoji. Fair. <laughs> so how about a compromise like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? I still have withdrawal over the weekend. Less so on Tuesday and Thursday with the extra two days will help my current sense of loneliness and boredom waiting for the next show. Hemant, can you stand me for another two days a week? No. Cool. Sorry. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye.